Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Those are thoughts, uh, common thoughts that attack us. And there, there are lies behind those. Some of them are flat lies. Some, some of them have lies behind them that we're going to be looking at in this series. It, it just so happens that uh, these, these thought patterns get ingrained in us and they tug on emotions that can send us the wrong direction as we're trying to do what God's assigned to us here on this earth. Um, it doesn't seem like doing right, doing good should be so difficult. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of resistance when you just set out to do normal things like parent or uh, like help somebody <laughs> with a problem or get up and go to work and try to earn money for the family. Whatever it is, just as you set out to do right, there's resistance. It doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but rarely is the path of least resistance the best path or the right path. Rarely. It's, it's the opposite. Uh, watched an interview with Rick and Kay Warren this week on Pierce Morgan. I don't know if you had an opportunity to see, see that, but he's a pastor in South Orange County. Wrote the book, Purpose Driven Life. A lot of people know him from that. Uh, Rick and Kay are friends of ours. We went to college together. And so we, we watched the, the interview. The interview was uh, concerning the uh, suicide death of his son, his youngest son, Matthew. And that is obviously uh, just a devastating situation, potentially devastating anyway. And in the interview, it was interesting to watch Rick and Kay, um, because they're, they're people who walk with God, they're people who are now fighting all kinds of these thoughts. Why did it happen to me? It's too hard to deal with this. I'm the only one. It was interesting that uh, the week that Matthew committed suicide, he had struggled with just mental illness and mental health problems his whole life. And I'm, you know, a bunch of other things as well, I'm sure. But um, as, as he was getting ready to launch a national radio program called Daily Hope, Matthew took his life. And it was just really, I really admired the example of Rick and Kay as they were willing to open up and talk on, on national TV about what they were going through. But it's interesting, isn't it? He's about to launch a radio program called Daily Hope, and his son takes his life. That day, the day that Matthew took his life, the topic for the radio program was winning the battle for your mind. That's where the battle rages. It rages in our mind. And this is the battle that Rick and Kay have been fighting since that since that incident since that happened, since the son took his life. Um, one statement they made is very true. And I, they, they said, we have a greater joy that's not based in our circumstances. And they've been living that out. They've, they've been choosing now to battle. And the Warrens, Rick and Kay, They've been winning the battle because they have applied faith. They've chosen faith. They've taken a faith edge to what's going on. 
They know God. They trust God. They know He's good. Rick said he has struggled with his plan. You know, he's wondered about his plan, but he knows God is good, and God has a plan, and he intends to use this for their good and the good of a lot of other people, many, many other people around them. But they've been winning the battle because they know God and they know the truths that we're going to be looking at in this series. Our mind is like a battlefield. Many times circumstances, like Rick and Kay, now that's very, very difficult, very extreme, potentially devastating for many, many people. But as we deal with circumstances, they, they erupt sometimes, and our mind can be like a battlefield with landmines that can detonate at any moment. And these thoughts that we heard on the Roland are, are some of those landmines. To survive in battle, you have to be alert to all the threats that can take you out. You don't relax on a battlefield. I'm sure at times you need to sleep, but you don't really relax. You need enough rest to keep going. You need to stay alert. Some of the landmines that, that I've experienced, and you, you possibly have as well, in thought life are like, I'm not good enough, I can't change, why bother? I'm all alone in this, I'm struggling through this. I, I find that as thoughts like this come to me, it's very easy for discouragement to follow. What happens is circumstances crop up and discouragement follows fear. And then I'm running scenarios and I'm trying to battle. And what, what these thoughts can do is they can derail me from doing the right thing. They, they can keep me from doing what I know I need to do and I become discouraged. And Things like work, it's, it's just it's hard to get motivated to do what you need to do because the thoughts and emotions are pressing against it. And family life, if you feel misunderstood, uh, you can feel all alone, you can pull away, and that compounds the problem because you actually are. You're pulling away, you're isolating yourself, and you become more and more isolated. And discouragement and fear can take the fight out of us and cause us to cave into the lies that end up defeating us if we allow them to. We can choose against them. You may have your own landmines that go off in your head. Uh, some like mine, others maybe not. Uh, in this series, we're going to actually look at five common thoughts or lies that I think everyone has dealt with. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun because if you have a son in, in, one, in the boys' classes, uh, they're going to be walking through these same, these same enemy thoughts in the next six weeks. So you can let's give you something to talk about. Hey, what did you get out of the, you know, out of your lie today or your thought, your enemy thought today? So the boys and kids zone are going to be working on the same thing, and it's been very helpful. We've we've walked the the boys through this uh, curriculum before. Very very helpful for learning to to recognize the thoughts that can take us down and into the wrong direction. Because if we cave into the lies, we lose the battle. That's the way it works. If we cave into the lies, we are going to lose the battle. Now, here are the common lies that defeat us. You heard them on the rolling. It's too hard. How many times on the front side of something have you thought it's too hard, but actually it, it turned out to be not, not too hard? You were able to pull through? But you had to fight that thought. It's, this is just too hard. What's happening right now, I can't take it. 
But you're, you're still alive. You're still breathing. You, you push through. I'm too tired. It's another common lie. It's not what I want. It's, it's not fair. I'm the only one. Nobody else has ever experienced what I'm experiencing right now. I'm, I'm the only one going through this. There may be a thread of truth in some of those. But fractional truths are the most dangerous kind of lies because we tend, to, we tend to move there. We tend to buy in. Each week of this series, what we're going to do is look at a specific lie and we're going to dig into how God's provided the help to deal with that and how we can counter these thought patterns with the truth. Our hope is that everyone can leave each week with strategies and tools to fight the battle. That's, that's what we're aiming for. With, with God's help... Uh, What I'm going to be sharing with you over the next several weeks is something I discovered several years back. And with God's help, it's been a real source of freedom and victory in my life. And, And here it is. I don't have to believe, accept, or own for myself every thought that crosses my mind. I don't have to let them plant in me. I can deal with them in a way that allows me to keep moving forward and continue to do what's right and find God's blessing in doing that. In fact, not all the thoughts that cross my my mind are mine. They're not all mine. The lies are generated by three enemies. They come from three different sources. The first one is what the Bible calls the world. And what happens is we can pick up untruths or half-truths or fractional truths from the world at large that don't really stand the test of reality. They're just thoughts that seem like they're good thoughts in the moment. And we pick these up. Sometimes we pick them up in movies, quotes in newspapers, conclusions friends have drawn and shared from their experience. They sound pretty good in the moment. And so... They lodge in our thinking at just the right moment. They begin to wreak havoc as we buy into them. Second source of the lies is the flesh. When the Bible mentions the flesh, it's referring to the habits and strategies that we develop to try to succeed in life apart, independent, separate from God. That's what it means by the flesh. So these these are habits and strategies we picked up and developed so that we can try to succeed without God's help. And even after you commit your life to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, but the flesh remains, and we still got to deal with that, those old habits and those old patterns. And then the third source of the lies is the devil. We have a real enemy in Satan who can bring thoughts out of nowhere to distract and discourage us and to keep us from doing the good that we're intending to do. The Bible would call these the flaming darts of the evil one. That's one translation, the flaming darts. Boy, I've been, I've I've felt some darts in my heart and mind. And the intent of the enemy is to keep us from doing God's will and ruin my stewardships, my areas of responsibility, the arenas that I'm responsible for in family, in work, in ministry, handling my finances, and on and on. The intent is to ruin us in these things. And the enemy actually knows how 
to pull the strings of the other enemies. The devil can pull the strings of the world and the flesh, and he orchestrates an attack because he knows just how to do that. He knows how to pull all that together and really come against us, press against us, provide the resistance that's going to keep us from doing what we know we need to do. When we first started the church, now I thought I was... I worked my way through uh, graduate school, seminary, as a, a janitor. I owned a, I owned a janitorial service. I like to say it owned me, actually, is what really was going on. But I worked my way through graduate school uh, as a janitor, and I thought, boy, I can't wait till I get into the ministry because that's got to be a lot easier than this, you know, getting up, staying up all hours of the night, cleaning these offices and things, and I just can't wait, but I was shocked at how difficult it became when I tried to do the ministry God had assigned me to do. It was a battle. I used to come under attack when I was trying to, to, to come up with plans. I, I would be just trying to think through plans. Okay, what do we do next? Because when you start something from scratch, that's the big question. <laughs> what do you do? What are you going to do next? What's next? What are we going to do? And I would come under attack, and the battle in my thoughts would rage. And I know that all three enemies were involved. And Satan was just yanking on the strings, orchestrating the attack. You don't know what you're doing, and pretty soon the group's going to find that out. Pretty soon they're going to figure it out. You know, why, why keep trying to lead the group in a certain specific direction? They, they're not going to follow. Why would they do that? Why would they follow you? Why keep heading that direction? Why keep going that way? Why, and then why don't they get this? Am I the only one that, that understands how important this is? The answer to that was no. <laughs> but that was the lie. They kept coming. They kept trying to fight. And here's what the lies can do to us if we believe and accept them instead of battle against them. If we think we're the only one that is dealing with a certain problem, we tend to think that no one else understands. We pull away and we isolate ourselves. That's one of the major strategies of the enemy, to isolate you. To get you that's actually in battle, that's, that's, that's a really good strategy. You isolate the enemy so you can take them out. And that's what our enemy does, tries to do to us, isolate us, keep us apart, separate us. As we look at our budget and income, if we believe it's not fair that we have so little when so many other people have so much, what happens? We make choices to indulge. We overspend. And we want to make ourselves feel better, but we dig a deeper and deeper hole for ourselves. In marriage, if we believe it's not what I want, when things get tough, you know, you're struggling in marriage, it's difficult. To, when you have a clash of, hey, they want that, I want this, I don't want that. And marriage sometimes surprises us, the, the attacks that come in that. We can easily look to other people to fill our needs, and this lie can cost our marriage. In fact, in family life, if we think raising kids is too hard, too difficult at times, or we're too tired, we give up training our kids, or we just take a break, a week, month, six-month, year-long break from training our kids, what happens? This leads to real trouble. It doesn't get better by itself. It doesn't get better on its own. This leads to much grief later on in life as you raise kids 
where there's a strained relationship and they live foolishly. It, it, it hurts. The list can go on and on and on of these kinds of things that overwhelm us. I think you get the picture. One way God wants to help us is he told stories. He, the, actually, they're not just stories. They're not legends. They're history from the Old Testament, and we can read about the battles of Israel in trying to claim the, the land that God had promised them. And in the way that he led them, the way that God led them to claim the promised land, there are tons of lessons for us. Uh, in the book of Joshua, Moses, the leader of the Israelites, had just, just died in the first part of the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses had just died. The Israelites are on the edge of the promised land. Now, God had promised this to them centuries before, years, years before hundreds of years before. And they're on the edge now. There's just a river separating from it. And Joshua has the assignment. He's the next leader. He follows Moses. Wouldn't want to be that guy, frankly. Moses is the one that every... Remember Moses? Good guy, okay? But Joshua takes over for Moses. And his assignment is to lead Israel into a series of military battles to claim the land that God had promised to them. They had, they had sent spies into the land earlier to check it out, and they came back, this, this place is awesome. The fruit and the, the produce from the land is amazing, but you know what? The people are big. They're like giants, and their cities are fortified. I'm not quite sure how we're going to do this. And so this is the report that's running through Joshua's mind as he's gonna, about to lead the Israelites into battle. Can you imagine the thoughts going on in his head? It is too hard. <laughs> yeah, these people, they're big, they're strong. This is not fair. It seems like we shouldn't have to fight. Didn't God promise the land to us? Didn't he promise this? Could, could he just give it to us? I'm too tired. Yeah, they'd already been walking around in the wilderness for 40 years. They've been walking around for 40 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm the only one. No one else has been asked to step up and lead. <laughs> where's, where's everybody else? You know, it's not what I want. You know, I, good people never want to go to battle. God had a purpose in this, in the battles, and in what he was doing. And as we, we deal with these enemy thoughts, God commanded Joshua and God commands us to do what's needed to win the battles. And in his command to Joshua, we find out what's needed. Look at this, Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, when, when God repeats himself, he's trying to communicate something very important. He says this, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be careful. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from the law to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you should make a great prosperous. That word prosperous means uh, to push forward. It literally means to uh, make the right kind of progress. 
So we prosper. This is the way we prosper. This is the way we make the right kind of pros- uh, progress in our stewardships. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. There he's repeating it again. <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, God gives Joshua three actions. Be strong, be courageous, and be careful. That's what it takes to win the battles. Be strong, courageous, and careful. First, God says, be strong. So from a Hebrew word, this was originally written in Hebrew, hazak. And it means to keep a strong grip on your responsibilities no matter what happens. Keep a strong grip. Now, think about the importance of a firm grip when you're driving on the freeway. You, you, you have a loose grip, you hit something like a hubcap, and you could go veer out of control. Loose grip, spin out of control. It's, it's important in the same way with our responsibilities. We, we keep a tight grip on them and on our role in family life as a parent, in our marriage, as a husband or wife, on the job. Keep a tight grip in church life, with our finances. We, we're to hold on to these tightly to do right in these areas. And what the thoughts do is they tempt us to slack off. They tempt us to loosen our grip. And when we loosen our grip, we're setting ourselves up for another attack, and it starts to snowball and pick up steam as we go downhill. We're going to look at how to battle this kind of attack in this series, because it comes up over and over and over again on a daily basis. Next, God tells Joshua to be courageous. Amatz is the Hebrew word, and it means regardless of how you feel, act with courage or bravery. Regardless of how you feel, you do what you need to do. And it may not feel that great while you're doing it. But that, that's the idea. Our emotions have a way of stopping us in our tracks. We can be almost overcome through fear. We can worry. We can get discouraged to the point where we're almost frozen. Verse 9 says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. These are some of the emotions that God commands us to battle. These two words describe emotions that block our forward progress. First one, be frightened, carries the idea of dread. You're just so terrified, you're in dread over the, the obstacles, over the challenge, over the enemies that you're dealing with. This, this is where we're shaken to the core, we're shameful, or we're afraid and fearful of continuing to press forward. It stops us in our tracks. To be dismayed has a similar idea, but instead of fear, the issue is discouragement. You just... On the inside, you're just so discouraged. It blocks your progress. And we start losing hope when we give in to these thoughts. We dread. We're discouraged. Our, our thoughts can focus on the giants and the fortified cities and the obstacles and keep us from moving forward to do what God's asked us to do to experience his promise and his power to help us. If we're, if we're looking at the giants and the fortified cities, they stop us in our tracks sometimes. This attack may come in any area where we're trying to make the right kind of progress. 
In every important goal that I've ever tried to reach, there's a battle waiting from the start of it to the finish of it. That includes raising my kids. That includes uh, starting a ministry. It includes if you're in business, doing your business. It includes anything. From the very beginning of your setting yourself to reach that goal, there's going to be a battle until it's reached. This is the way it is. There's, there's a reason for this, but this is the way it is in, in the world right now. We have to fight to claim the promises of God. There's a reason for this. I don't have time to go into explanation, really good explanation. But we have to fight to claim the life that God has promised us now. But it's at these points that God's going to command us to act with courage to step forward and trust him and keep moving in the direction he's telling us. And finally, God commands us to be careful. Uh, The word is shamar in Hebrew, and it, it means guide carefully by God's word. Do not deviate in the slightest. Not in the slightest. I don't know, if you remember when you were in elementary school taking math, I don't know if you had these thoughts, but I thought, why do I need to know this? I mean, you know, two plus two, four, okay, it's easy, I got it figured out. What? And then you get, it gets harder and harder, and you're thinking, oh, it's just too hard. Why do I need to know all this stuff? Well, when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, doesn't really have that much impact on your life, but if you're going to try to design a building or build a bridge, the, the, the math and the measurements, they have to be exact. If, if uh, you know, the numbers really matter, they sort of reflect a reality that needs to be in place as you build things. That, that's how it is with the Word of God, with God's Word, the Bible. If we take sort of a casual, careless approach to the Bible, it impacts us as we live our lives, as we try to build the life God wants us to have. It it makes a tremendous impact on us. If we're reckless with it and not careful to do what God says, we end up hurting ourselves tremendously. So these three commands are the key to winning the battles. And Joshua, Joshua led the people of Israel to respond. He acted in line of those things. Uh, Be strong, courageous, and careful. And they gained victory. To the extent that they walked by faith, trusted God, and fought, they gained the victory. Um, The lies attack us at these three points. These are the three points at which we have to battle. Because what happens is the thoughts rise up, the lies come up, and they try to get us to be slack in our grip with our responsibilities. Oh, it's just too hard. Oh. I just need a break. You, you take a break right when you need to get moving. <laughs> you know, you, you lose your... And, and it starts to create problems and destroy that stewardship. Um, they, they rise up and they try to get us to collapse from discouragement and stop doing what's right. Stop doing what, what we need to do. And then it also tries to... The thoughts rise up and they try to... Cause us to be reckless or careless in applying God's word. You know, it's just really hard to figure out what God's saying here and apply it. And, you know, God's told me to do that. I know that, but 
that's really di- that's really difficult. That's hard. And so we we just we sort of oh, you know I'm just going to in general try to figure out what the big idea is and go with that. The way the world is right now, as I said, God's going to fix it someday, but not right now. The first move to claim the life that God has promised us is to prepare for battle. First move. So we shouldn't be surprised by the battle. But the first move is to fight if we're going to claim the life that God wants us to experience. So we need to identify the, t- the attack and fight. That's, that's the first move. If we're going to make the right kind of progress in our families, at work, with our finances and our friendships and ministries, if, if we have to refuse wrong thinking that is generating fear and worry and discouragement, that's what it takes. We have to overcome the lies with the truth of God, with God's help, by putting our faith in Him, and by listening to Him and what He says about our circumstances, and what He says in our circumstances. And so we fight the lies with God's truth, with his help. First, first thing we need to do is reject the lie. We don't have to buy into it. If I start thinking things that are bogging me down from doing right, I need to identify what's going on. This is a lie. This is an attack. This is what's happening. If, if we expect the attack, we're on the alert. If we don't expect it, we're surprised by it, and it's a lot more dangerous. Um, my, my wife, Cindy, and I, uh, Cindy wanted me to share this with you at some point, so I'm going to share it with you right now, but uh, a couple weeks ago, she had a little uh, bump on her eyelid right there, and she went in uh, to the doctor and just on the way out of the office almost mentioned, hey, you know, I've got this bump on my eye, and the doctor said, well, we should probably take it off and look at it, it's probably nothing. And they took it off, and we thought, well, it's probably nothing. And then um, that was on a Monday. On a Friday, um, it came back as squamous cell carcinoma. We were surprised. It, it sort, of, sort of attacked us. And that's not life-threatening, but we wanted you to know, uh, because it, the, the word may be getting out, so you could pray with us. She's got a consultation tomorrow. Uh, with a doctor who's going to do a, the kind of surgery where you just skin a little off and see if the cancer's gone, if they got the margin, and then a little bit more. It's in a kind of a, a really bad spot on her eye, so we're praying that we're just praying that uh, it 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 doesn't affect her appearance and all that kind of stuff. So it's in a bad spot. But we, too, have been fighting. Circumstances crop up in life. Life is life. People ask me how life's going. Well, life's not that great sometimes, but God is really good in the middle of it. (laughs) And so we fight. We all have to fight. And we were surprised by the news, but we know how to fight. And so we're, we're, we're walking in faith, trusting God. If you expect the attack, you, you're, you're better prepared to overcome it. So, uh, anyway, when we start thinking the lies, when we start thinking the thoughts, we refuse to get into discouragement and resist the attack. Isolate the thought. 
Because that's, that's what the enemy's trying to do with you. That's what the thought's trying to do. It's trying to isolate you to make you feel like you're the only one going through it. Um, isolate the thought so that you can deal with it. If you have to say it under your breath, talk it out loud, or find someone more mature, hey, this has been going through my, my head lately. Does this make any sense? Sometimes in just getting it out, you're thinking, wow, that's not right. <laughs> that's not good. And so whatever you have to do, isolate the thought and reject it. And then replace it with the truth. This is how we fight. We reject a lie, we replace it with the truth. God would say the same thing to his people when they were going into scary, uncertain situations. He said the same thing over and over again. I will be with you. That's a truth we can take with us. That's some truth that we, it applies to every situation, every circumstance that we find ourselves in. If you're working through a conflict with someone, you're not quite sure how it's going to turn out. God is with you. He wants to walk with you through it. He wants you to cooperate with him. He wants you to figure out what honors him in the way I handle this. And he's there with you. If you're dealing with problems in an important project at work or anywhere, God's with you. He, he wants to help you. He wants to walk through that with you. If you're trying to help someone you care about and you just don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, God, God's with you to walk you through that, to be there with you. One of the most effective things that you can do when you're facing fear, worry, or discouragement, other kinds of temptation, is to focus on God's truth and claim it for yourself. Focus on his truth and make it your own. This is what Jesus did. When he was tempted, in Matthew 4, 1 through 10, you can read about it, it'd really be helpful. But Satan came to him and was tempting him to sin. And every time he was tempted, he met the temptation with a specific passage of Scripture. So he was tempted, and he answered the temptation with quotes from the Bible, from God's Word, from the Old Testament. This is what I try to do when I'm dealing with fear, when I'm struggling with worry. When I'm, when I'm dealing with thoughts, when I'm frustrated with it. For, for instance, when I'm, when I'm dealing with fear, either real or ration, rational or irrational, Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? The answer is no one. I shouldn't be afraid of this, because God, no matter what happens, God's going to be here, and he's going to give me the power to do what he wants. He's going to do with my life whatever he wants. When I'm, when I'm depressed, Psalm 42, 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. I, I, I Put your hope in God. Not in what's going on. Not in what's going on in here. Put your hope in God. When I get frustrated with myself, Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind. The, the, um, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never ends. You know, I mess up. But God is gracious in the middle of it. When I'm worried about my finances, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even in the financial mess you're in, he's not going anywhere. He, I can trust him. I can rely on him. The word of God is powerful. It's an offensive weapon to deal with the enemy thoughts. It's very, very important. And you may not think of memorizing scripture as one of the key things to do to deal with life. But it has proven to me to be the mo- one of the most effective ways to battle the temptation, to battle the, the ingrained thoughts that are going to take me the wrong direction. Memorizing scriptures, it's, it's a go-to weapon in the fight against the lies that are dragging me down. The Word of God, it, it's said in Scripture, it's the, it's the sword of the Spirit. And it has tremendous power to gain the mental edge in battle as you trust God and use it. It gives you a, a lot, of, there's a lot of help that God gives through His Word. There's a power to it. So we reject the lie, we replace it with the truth, and we refuse to give up. We have to keep fighting until the battle's over. Sometimes it seems like it's longer than we can take, but you keep fighting. You refuse to give up. You keep going for it. You and I don't have to accept every thought, everything that comes across our minds, because many of them are destructive. And in this message series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how to win the battle against these things, how to deal with the common lies that tend to defeat us. I'd like to wrap up the message, uh, ask the band to come up, Uh, If you would, if you haven't had an opportunity to complete your connection card, I'd like to ask you to do that now. Um, Take the time right now to finish any information or next steps that you'd like to to fill out and drop that in the offering when it comes by. We'll be receiving that shortly. Uh, But I have some suggestions for next steps. My next step today is, here's number one. Memorize Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be not frightened, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is, is with you wherever you go. Memorize that. That's a great, that's a great weapon. You know, God, you're with me. I know you're with me. You want to walk through this. I'm going to trust you. And, and bring that to mind as you deal with the battle. Uh, step number two you could take. Identify a lie I'm fighting and ask God for help. Isolate the thought. Set it apart. This is the lie that's getting me right now. And God, would you help me? And another step, attend the rest of the series. We're going to be talking about how to, how to fight these things. And then here's kind of a unique step that you could take. And uh, it would be to talk with someone about Scripture memory, about how to do it, why it's important, how to do it. We have several people in the congregation uh, who would be glad to show you kind of why it's been important to them, Uh, how it's been a help to them. And uh, if you'd like to talk with someone about it and just get started, get some encouragement to get started on memorizing Scripture for yourself, using it as an offensive weapon to deal with some of these lies, then let us know. You know, I'd like to talk with someone about Scripture memory, either one-on-one or in a small group. We'd, We'd love to know that, and we'll get you connected to somebody who can help. All of us need encouragement to grow spiritually. Uh, I've needed a lot of coaching through the years. I've need, I need encouragement. The reason is because whenever you set your heart to do good, whenever you set your mind on accomplishing what God wants, there's a tremendous amount of resistance from those enemies that we talked about. 
That's why we need encouragement. So I'd encourage you to do that if you'd like to. And there, there are other things you could respond to as well. Uh, if you'd finish completing that as we get ready to take the offering or receive the offering, that'd be great. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that really does set us free if we apply it. God, help us to be careful to do what you've set on our hearts to do today and bring honor to you and find the freedom and victory that you want us to experience. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.